Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. On this week's episode, we have Lauren. Hello. Bernie. Hi. And Justin. This week we find out some other arachnids that are hiding right under our nose. We also find out about mysterious bacteria clouds, a potentially new CSI technique, and we find out what is going on with the Ebola vaccine and if there's been any more developments. And now we launch into our Launchpad News segment. So Justin, I don't remember if you're exactly paying attention, but one of the topics we've talked about previously on um, the, here on the Grange Point has been the Ebola virus. And I've heard you've got some interesting information to help update us on the current status. Yeah, that's right. And the Ebola Ebola epidemic that has really spread through particularly West Africa uh, has been absolutely deadly and devastating to the people who live there and the people who are trying to save lives. It is a terrible disease, as we've talked about, that basically um, it dehydrates you, it kills your organs a bit, and it also gives you uh, diarrhoea, fevers, all other different types of illnesses, and it's a really terrible way to die. And the worst part about Ebola at the moment is that it spreads so virulently from bodily fluids, but also we didn't have necessarily a super great treatment for it. We didn't have a vaccine. We didn't really have a treatment to like help people who were suffering from it, aside from making sure they were properly hydrated and try to keep them stable and so that their situation didn't deteriorate. And that, that really meant that for many people who, who, um, who contained who are caught it, it was basically a death sentence and could be a death sentence even for those who were trying to treat them or at least keep them comfortable. And we talked about it a couple of weeks ago on the podcast uh, to update on, uh, to explain what was going on with the bowler and, and what people were doing to try and fix it. And fortunately, we have an update which does contain some good news to this news story, which is what we want to talk about here this week. So many people have been busily, busily working away on this uh really difficult issue and what they have come up with some recent people from um, a number of different institutes including the public health agency of canada and um, another world health members from the world health organization they've people have developed a new drug called zmap and basically the they have been testing rapidly trialing and testing this drug on monkeys um, so they they found that it actually healed all 18 monkeys they infected with a, with Ebola, um, and so basically they they developed this treatment cure, and they called ZMAP and they supplied this drug to the infected monkey patients that they had, and they thought it actually had any benefit or benefit or not. And fantastically, um, that it had a hundred percent success rate in this first really basic trial that they did. Um, they also found that it completely immunized. Uh, uh, six other monkeys who were s- subjected to it. Um, so they, they basically tried to do some test on to whether, see whether it could cure but also immunise to an extent. And for animal testing data, that was incredibly impressive because this was designed to work on humans. Um, so the real challenge about this is that it takes some time to actually determine uh, or you have to get it really, obviously really early on when we've been infected with it. And it it can take up to 21 days for a human to really show the symptoms of Ebola. So you don't you don't have the same exact window that you would have in a clinical trial. Now, what 
So there's still areas of work needed to be done on this. Um, they published this result uh, last week um, in the journal Nature Online, um, and it's an amazing study and a powerful study. Unfortunately, even one of the lead authors of the, or the named authors of the paper actually succumbed to the virus and died themselves. So it's quite a uh, joyous but sad occasion. Now, Seven people have been exposed to this very, very experimental treatment at this stage. Now, we haven't had time to do the full rigorous clinical trial process on this to really ascertain if it's working or not, which is really difficult to do in an epidemic situation. But of the seven people known to be treated with ZMAP, um, two of them have died, uh, a Liberian doctor and a Spanish priest, which suggests that... Uh, it, they perhaps got to it too late. Specifically with the priest, they only managed to give him one of the three planned doses before he died. Um, they've also given it to two Americans who recovered fully, uh, as did two Africans who also received it and uh, who received the actual thing in inside uh, Liberia. Uh, so basically a doctor and a doctor's, a doctor's assistant who were helping treat patients who were suffering from it. Um, a British nurse also received the drug uh, and... and she has recovered from it. So it's quite interesting to see that they have had some success, but it's the timing when they give it to them is really showing to be the big um, significant factor in all of this. Do we know if there's any negative effects or risks associated with this virus, not with this virus, with this treatment so far? Yeah, and look, we're really not too sure because one of the big challenges of medicine and medical sciences, um, it takes a long time to undertake clinical trials to ascertain whether or not um, you're causing more harm than good. It's easy to tell whether or not it's working in the short term. So you obviously you don't die from injecting yourself with it, but we don't necessarily know the long-term implications or if there's something else that's been caused by this because we haven't had the time to do a full clinical double-blind trial. However, um, it is really fascinating to note that we're able to save lives. And if the options are certain death and a fair chance at living, this is working quite well. Now, the bad news is that uh, this drug is being developed by MAP Biopharmaceutical in San Diego, and they only have a really, really so small supply of the drug. They're basically they're developing it really quite slowly, and, and it's based on a drug. It's sort of grown inside tobacco plants, and they extract it from that. It takes about several months to actually make each batch, a month to make about 20 to 40 doses currently at the current rate of production. And uh, even if they were to ramp up for a full clinical trial uh, early next year, it would still take some time to actually produce enough of the drug. The good news is we can, we have something that can save lives. The bad news is it's going to take us a long time to produce enough of it to really test if it's truly effective and safe, and also to actually give to people to keep them alive. So Ebola is a very dangerous uh epidemic that is plaguing West Africa at the moment, but there is good news and hope. Um, both people of West Africa who have contracted the virus, but also people who are treating them and looking after them. And science is marching on and trying to save lives. I'm not a huge fan of uh, things that creep and cool, and particularly spiders. And this is a huge problem living in Australia, home to some of the most deadly and dangerous spider species in the world. But I've slowly gotten used to this fact. And as long as I can see the spider and I know where it is, 
It doesn't move from that spot. I'm generally okay. And then if necessary, if it's getting too close or it's too big or too weird, then I'll, I can kill it. So if it's a really small and I can't even see the spider, should I really be worried about it? Well, it, it might sound like the, th- the stuff from Nightmares, but it's, it's completely harmless. Um, scientists found that we indeed have two mites living on our face in the vicinity near our nose, which um, are in the same... Well, they're categorized as arachnids, as they are relatives of spiders and ticks. That's, um, that's, that's terrifying. So we have spiders on our face that are tiny? <laughs> The, the good news are we're, we're not alone, as every mammal species, um, every mammal species so far has also has mites living on their face. So, so what kind of mites? You mentioned that there are two different types of species of mites that live that have been found around. Uh, yes, so there's the Demodex folliculorum, um, and then just, and then the Demodex brevis. Um, they're actually not close related at all. Um, the brevis, the Demodex brevis is actually more closely related to dog mites uh, than the (laughs) folliculorum. These are more like ticks and fleas that uh, other creatures have on them. We just have these really smaller versions that that sort of, I guess, feed on the dead skin cells on our face? Yes, yes. Uh, they they live inside your pores. So they're, they're, they're really microscopic small. And they're basically dwelling just inside the pores of our skin and, and feasting or whatever comes in around there. That's that's kind of terrifying, but also not that surprising when you come to think about all the bacteria and microbes that we have around us at the same time. Does that mean my face wipes aren't working well enough? <laughs> it may be. So how did we find out that we have all these bugs, not bugs, but um, mites living inside our pores. What did we do? We figure out that they were there. We can't see them. Well, in in the past, uh, the traditional sampling methods that we used included uh, sticky tape, so putting a piece of tape on your face and then pulling it off and then seeing what what, what was on the uh, sticky tape under the microscope. Um, But they actually um, changed this method into something more efficient, um, where they found a higher rate um, of bacteria and mites and things by uh, scraping, by, by taking um, samples, by um, scraping samples of cadavers. Yeah, so they basically, instead of, I can't believe that like the scientific method for collecting these samples before was applying sticky tape to your face <laughs> and pulling it off. So as we've talked about in the past, I can't believe that they actually used uh, sticky tape applied to a face and pulling it away to collect samples because we've spoken that that can actually be a really effective and cheap way to produce x-rays. Uh, so it's kind of funny that like we're figuring out all these uh, from, from this latest scientific research that sticky tape is being used by scientists for a lot of serious work, which I really did not expect when I started this podcast. I'm just, I'm just putting that out there. So it isn't just duct tape that's really good. Sticky tape is also no, apparently great. sticky t- sticky tape is great for scientists to do biological experiments. Is what we're learning from this. So what does this tell us about um, now that I know that I've got all these mites living inside my pores? Should I be worried about it? Should I be concerned? What does this mean for humanity? What it means uh, for humanity is actually giving us a glimpse of from an evolutionary perspective as. Um, 
we can as the mites differ from continents so we can track the mites from our origins in Africa and how we traveled across the world as the mites that are, have been found in America on people's skin are actually different to the ones found in China. Wow, that, that's really fascinating. So they've come a long way with us and it's not some new and unusual thing that's just happened. They've, they've been with us the whole time. Yes, um, a very, a, a 40,000 year journey. Oh, that, that's, that's incredible. Um, and, a, and a related and also incredible story that uh, I, just, I just have to mention because it, I, it, it came up when I was searching for this one, is that uh, there's been a new uh, species of mite from the Caribbean of all places, and it's sort of, it, it's in round, it sort of involved itself in the coral ecosystem. But it's named after Jennifer Lopez. It's called. <laughs> they have named this new mite the J. Lo um, uh, microorganism, and um, it's from a massive reef in Puerto Rico. And since Jennifer Lopez is uh, Puerto Rican, they they named the mite in her honor. And I don't know if that's a huge honor or not, but uh, just go, just to show that these mites are all around us and playing important parts in our lives. So, Lauren, I probably have mentioned this before to you, but there's a, a, a show that is based off a manga from a Japanese animation, as an anime, for want of a better word, called Moyashimon, Tales of Agriculture. And this is a fantastic, it's an incredibly scientific anime. This is why I'm talking about it in this podcast, okay? It is about a young gentleman who goes to study molecular chemistry at university, um, biochemistry really with his best friend and both of them come from a rural, a rural country town one is a brewer the son of a brewing family who owns all different kind of sake distilleries the other is the son of a yeast maker and a baker who, who grow all these different species of yeast and they work together the families work together to produce the produce in this local town and they go off to study at university together but the main hero of this show which is what's really so fascinating about this can see the microbial life around him in the world in these small little cute little microbes. Now, this is a really scientific show which actually goes to explain all the different microbes and bacteria that exist in, in the world, how they're related to things like fermentation, how they're related to making rice or meat or milk or everything else around us that we need in our society, but also things that can make us sick. And it explores all of them in details. And even at the end of the episodes, they have a two-minute-long microbe theatre where they explain the different types of microbes. And this might seem like a really weird thing to be talking about, and it's a, I thoroughly recommend you check out Tales of Agriculture or Moyashimon um, to, if you're really interested in microbiology. It's a great show. But one of the things that this kid can see is these clouds of microbes around people. And it turns out that maybe it's not just a concept from anime. Maybe there's some truth to that. So what is going on here, Lauren? Well, it turns out, yes, Dawson, we do actually have this microbe. We do have this microbiological aura, I guess, around people, as we mentioned before, with um, different types of mites that live on human faces and things like that. So what um, Jack Gilbert and other scientists at the Argonne National Laboratory have been doing is investigating the microbes that live in our houses and the microbes that exist on us and mapping them and how they transfer. Right, so they, they've been basically doing a stock take 
on all the microbial life that is on us and around us. So what have they found when they completed this big sample and study? Well, what they did was they studied seven different families, which included 18 people, three dogs, and a cat, and their homes... <laughs> that's, that, that's representative, all right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, most people have pets. I think it would have been interesting to stick in a couple of other types in there as well, find out what the types yes. of microbes and, like, birds and stuff are. Well, that's right. So they observed these people and their homes over the course of six weeks, and they did, like, daily swabs, and they sequenced the genomes of the bacteria to see if they were the same types that were, like, transferring places and stuff like that. Right. Okay, so so were they basically sort of tracked their movements of the different bacteria, see where the spread was? Basically, yes. And what they found was... Um, so what they okay. found was they observed one particular type of bacteria called Enterobacter, um, which was found on one person's hand, and they tracked that it actually moved to a kitchen counter, and then it moved from the kitchen counter to another person's hand. Right, right. So what? So it's sort of travelling with them. <laughs> so it's travelling, and these people are leaving their, I guess, their microbe auras around the house and their little imprints around the house. Right, and did this move with them when they left? Uh, when people had, like left 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 the house for a few days, the person's aura, like, quickly diminished. Um, and so it look, took less than a day for the microbe signature of the house to look completely different, and the one that they just moved into looked very similar to what the old one used to look like. Wow. So so a lot of people complain about other people's houses or uh, things like that and just say, you know, oh, there's a smell here or this hotel room is so dirty or this place is full of germs and bugs. Maybe it's actually just traveling with them and around them. Yeah, so you're constantly going around and fingerprinting your own little microbe aura around the place. So if we are leaving behind this fingerprint, is there anything we can do with that? We can study or analyze? Well, theoretically, we could use this um, to detect people's... Wait one second. So theoretically, we could eventually use this to um, catch criminals, for example. So hmm. looking at the fingerprints and the microbes that people had left at the crime scene and things like that and pick which study it comes from, which study, which um, family it comes from. It could possibly even be used to figure things out, like new people coming into your life, so like them leaving new fingerprints on your place or maybe even uncovering a cheating partner. Or, or, or tracking people who've been at a crime scene. Mm -hmm. Wow, this is this is some really serious CSI detective work. So now we not only have to worry about uh, the mysterious fingerprints or DNA evidence we leave behind, they could even get us by the associated microbes that we carry with us through the world. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, Lagrange Point. This week we've learned about what's hiding underneath our noses and on our faces. We've also found out the updates to the vaccine for Ebola that has been developed. And we also discovered the exciting new CSI technique involving bacterial signatures. Our ending theme was composed by Audio Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.